Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 69 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Nick DeSalvo of Elder discusses his first band, and I recommend the Louisiana sludge band Worms. Before all that, I welcome King Buzzo, Buzz Osborne, back to the show. Buzz and I spoke last year while he was on tour with the Melvins, and this time he came on to talk about his upcoming acoustic album that he did with Trevor Dunn called Gift of Sacrifice. We also talk about his forthcoming memoir, his current COVID-19 shelter-in-place life, and really whatever else Buzz wanted to talk about. Chatting with him is always kind of a lovely whirlwind in that I come very prepared and I don't ask very many questions I prepared. So before we dive in with King Buzzo, here's some of the lead single from Gift of Sacrifice. This is Science in Modern America. We were the black blood, time for sister Taking my pants off. So. Fantastic. Where are you? Where are you at? I'm out in Davis near Sacramento. Are you on house arrest? Uh yeah, I'm in shelter in place. Are you as well? Yeah, I'm house arrest as well. Yeah. How's it treating you? Oh, it's fine. You know, I mean, uh, uh, me and my wife get along well, so it's That's all good. good. Same. Yeah, it's all very. I think it's a one of the weirdest things we've ever. We we agree it's one of the weirdest things we've ever been through. So. Yeah, I uh it's it's definitely a strange thing and I've only been going out to go for a run where I constantly run away from people who don't seem to get what we're doing, but uh yeah, it's still very empty in this usually bustling college town I'm in. Davis, is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been up there for a few years. I've been there probably ten years ago, maybe a little longer we played up there. I wonder where in Davis you would have played. We played Davis a number of times, um, various bars and back in, back when the colleges actually had live music, we played on campus a few times. Oh, that'd been cool. Now they just do horrible DJs or some hip hop garbage. We have a, a thing here called whole earth and they usually get like kind of hippie jam bands that play that. And then, uh, another thing called picnic day where they, it's mostly like marching bands kind of playing at each other. But my, my band played that once, and we play progressive instrumental metal, and we were met with blank stares. It was a good time. Oh, I know the blank stare thing really well. <laughs> with as with as odd as Melvin's can be, I imagine you do. Like, no offense, but it's not... For it, a long time. Yeah, it's not like the most palatable thing for somebody who's looking for some top 40. We're not bright and breezy pop tunes. <laughs> that so, we are not. So, so I understand that we understand our lot in life. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's just 
why do that? There's enough of that out there. That's how it goes, you know. And uh, I hear that you've got a friend near you because uh, your avatar is a, a dog's mouth. Is that your dog? <laughs> That's a dog we have. He's dead now. Oh, sorry for your loss. Uh, 100, 100 plus pound American bulldog. Yikes. You can tell from his teeth you did not want him to uh, be biting you. Damn. No, he had a mouth full of teeth that would have... Uh, he was a super nice dog, but if he uh, decided to get a hold of you, I don't think you could, you'd have to shoot him, you know? Yikes. He died of natural causes okay. a few years ago. And you, it sounds like you still have a dog or a neighbor dog is escaping. No, we, have, we, we always have dogs. We have two uh, dogs right at the moment. We've had as many as four at one time. Right now we have a Jack Russell and a, an American an American Hunt Terrier. I don't even know that last one. That is a, it's like a Jack Russell. Ah, okay. But it's American and they some of the times their coloring makes them look like miniature Rottweilers. But they're about the size of a Jack Russell. Okay, 14, cool. 14, 15 pounds, you know? So you've run the gamut with your dogs because you had a huge dog recently and now you've got the two smaller ones. Yeah, we've had Jack Russells before. We've had um, uh, a, a Pitbull Lab Mix. And we had an English Staffordshire Terrier, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All those are those are all dead except for the two now. And it's the first time in a long time we've only had, we've had two boy dogs. Usually there's a girl dog to mix it up, you know? But yeah. she died um, about a, a little over a year ago. Yeah, so... That's how it works. You see them through to the end. Oh, yeah. Pets are just a countdown to heartbreak. As uh, I forget what comedian said that that I know of, but yeah. They are, but they they, uh, they give you so much that it's uh, impossible to... Hey, hold on, hold on. They give, they give you so much, it's impossible not to do it. Of, of course. I mean, I've, I'm a... I'm a cat fan. I've got one over here near me who just won't get in my lap, and it's hurting my feelings. Yeah. She'll get there. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think the Jack Russells and the cats would mix too well. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're we eyeing a corgi, and we've heard that's uh, they're hurting dogs. They're going to want to chase them. We'll see how that goes. Welsh corgis are pretty good. They're, the only problem with those dogs is um, they're really cute, but they have uh, back problems. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've been putting off because of that as well. Yeah, but they're really good dogs. But uh, um, like, if you decide you want to go on a long walk with them, at some point they just they just quit. They just say, "No, we're not going any further." <laughs> or you can carry me, you know. Right. That's it. They'll just give up. And uh, I, a neighbor of ours um, lives a couple blocks away. We would always see her walking them. Two the two she had. They're both dead now. But that she would tell us about well, you know some of the problems she had with them and. But they're super great dogs. Yeah. They so, look like a short-legged, um, uh, um, uh, almost like a, a German Shepherd almost face, you know? Yeah. Like a mini Shepherd. You know? So other than passing time, we hang out with the dogs and, and your wife. What have you been doing to, to, you know, not go crazy while trapped indoors? Um, we've been doing cleaning and uh, organizing. And... Um, we do a lot of letterpress printing in our house. My wife does that. So we do a lot of assemblage right now. We're just uh, putting together everything, all the supplies that we had. We're just finishing up everything that we had um, that needed to be done um, for lack of, uh, you know, 
just so we have just to just to have a just get it all done while we have a chance to get it all done now. Doesn't get in the way of anything. Right. And um lots of stuff along those lines. Um lots of exercising. But we like exercising anyway, so Yeah. And uh how are you feeling about the May tour coming up? I know I'm starting to see some things get postponed and cancelled. How's your, your solo run looking? Well, I'm not going to even think about canceling anything until mid-April, you know. Right. Uh, and if I do cancel it, I'll probably cancel it in waves. Like, you know, if they say you can't do anything in May, then I'll start with the tour where I have it in June. If they say you can't do anything in June, then I'll do the end of the tour that I had for the West Coast, you know. And if I can't do any of that stuff, then I'm probably pretty much out of business for the whole year. Damn. Which is, um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to make of any of this stuff. Uh, um, I think they're reacting more to the panic than they are anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just odd to me, you know. Our governor certainly doesn't stand up with the twenty best and brightest scientists and doctors from the state of California and make any statements. It's just him, you know. I yeah. think it's kind of, but um, uh, uh, I don't know. You know, it's 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 very strange. I think a lot of it is their computer models on ba- are based on things like isolating not working. You know, which I can't imagine that that won't have an effect on what we're doing. I mean, if you're used to seeing twenty five people in a day and you cut it down to two, you've astronomically dropped your chances for getting it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're taking that kind of thing into account. And they're also not taking into account that doctors can treat this thing. It's not like it's an instant death sentence. Not everybody dies of it. You know, there's things they can do for you. Doctors are pretty smart. They're not helpless, (laughs) you know. So, and not, I don't know. It just seems weird. I can't, the, 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 the pessimistic side of me whether it's true or not, just thinks that baby boomers are the ones that are dying and baby boomers are the ones that are in charge. That's why they're freaking out so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and that if it was babies dying or 20-somethings dying or teenagers, you think they'd shut the whole country down? I doubt it, you know? Am, am I mistaken or was SARS the one that was affecting mostly young people in the recent-ish history? I don't know. I don't, I'm not, certainly no expert along those lines, you know, but... There's one thing, the baby boomers seem to be, to have this effect on thinking that it's okay to destroy everything just to save their own ass. Right. <laughs> Which I think is really weird. And uh, um, uh, I was born right at the end of the baby boomers, so I don't feel any identify any any. I don't identify with them in, in any way, and I think you're gonna be hard pressed to find a more arrogant group of people anywhere on the planet <laughs> that has been yeah. my experience but i'm uh i'm one of those millennials that they don't care for <laughs> so i feel like we're always at odds i don't think they care for anybody but themselves yeah and uh uh um i i don't know it's weird i don't identify i don't identify with any group of people i don't i just feel like i'm a progressive <laughs> as far as like uh uh i feel like you know i'm um okay with every idea that comes along and I'll judge it on its own merits. <laughs> you know I mean, what I mean? That's, that seems fair to me. 
Yeah, you know, so me and my wife always laugh that, you know, like our polit- political leanings are like, you know, pro-death penalty, pro-abortion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which party is that? I don't know, pro-gun, pro-legalizing uh, drugs, you know. There's just nobody that speaks for us. There's a little from here and a little from there, and I think that's kind of the best way to do it. They're not right about no party's right about everything. No party's wrong about everything. So you can pick and choose what you like out of all that. And sometimes people think that we're a little too uh, rash in our uh, decision making along those lines, but I just think it's mostly boils down to common sense. You know, totally. Which I don't see a lot of. You know, I mean. The ugly depths of human nature know no bounds, you know, and I think that needs to be taken into account. And I also don't feel like I know everything, unlike the baby boomers who seem like they think they know everything. You know, they can't learn anything anymore, which is it's 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 odd to me. It's I mean, it's the same with our music. We think that we're you know, we're brand new. We're making new albums. We're doing new stuff. Whereas as we're not an oldies band. We don't rely on the, you know, one album we put out a long time ago that everybody likes. You know, we, we're uh, uh, contemporary, and that's how we've always viewed it. You know, it's like there's more to learn. There's more to do. I think politically, that's the way I stand. Artistically, that's the way I stand as well. You know, that is something I do appreciate about you and your projects is that how much you are constantly putting out. Um, and are you doing a lot of writing at this time as well? Um, not at the moment, uh, but I will. Um, I had a lot already done. Um, so, uh, I'm not, we have a lot of stuff in the can already mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, is coming out. We have, uh, my new album, obviously. Um, uh, we have, uh, some recordings that we did that are getting mixed. It'll come out and get, as long as it, Pressing plant. We, the, the last thing I heard is pressing plants were all getting closed. I heard that too. So I think my new album, if I'm not mistaken, got in just under the wire. So if that's the case, then um, I'll probably write stuff. But you know, I, I'm kind of always writing stuff. So um, at th- this very moment, I'm not. I'm doing a lot of other stuff. And, uh, I'm almost to the point now where uh, just playing guitar. It reminds me too much of how much I'm not going to be able to do. <laughs> So I, I get that not giving me any joy at the moment, but it will um, looking at guitars last night online. I have a bunch of guitars, but I was looking at a guitar that I really want. I don't know that I'll ever buy it. So that kind of I, I was doing that without even realizing I was doing it. So it's like, OK, I'm so that's good. Um, I'm generally a really avid outdoors type of person and athletic. And this is kind of, you know, like I work out almost every single day and and i do uh um play tons of golf when i'm home and i haven't been able to i've been able to work out but i haven't been able to play golf and that's kind of getting to me because musicians are uh, people of the great indoors Mm -hmm. and the golf is perfect for me because i didn't need anybody else to do it and i would just go do it on my own and uh um you know, for me, on a general week when I'm home, golf adds up to about somewhere between 30 and 40 miles of walking a week, um, which you do while you're playing this athletic game, which is a lot of fun. And so I really have thrived on that for about over a decade. And um, playing a highly intense, hyper-competitive tournament golf, you know, on an amateur level, obviously, but um, with uh, tournaments with a bunch of squares, you know, which has been 
I you know, needed all that kind of stuff. Doing these things with people that aren't part of the music industry have no concept of what you're doing. They just look at you like you're some freak. And uh, I really have enjoyed that. And that's not been happening. So usually when I'm home, my life consists of getting up really early, working out, maybe playing some golf, going to the studio, writing some music. You know, and that's pretty much my whole day. Yeah. You know, um, and that's uh, been disturbed, but it's not the end of the world. I've still managed to do the working out stuff, which I think is really important under these circumstances. I think exercise is a massively important thing for people to do. You know, if you're shut in, I would think you should do at least an hour of intense workout of some kind of exercise six days a week, you know, under these circumstances. Oh, absolutely. It'll keep you, it'll keep you saner. If you sit around just, you know, watching the internet or TV and eating junk food, you're just going to go crazy. <laughs> I definitely you, need my hour run that I'm getting right now. And it's, it's very, yeah. been very helpful. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that's a long, that's a long story about what, what's been going on with me. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the uh, upcoming, out, like your solo album you've got coming out. Uh, how did Trevor Dunn first get involved with this one? Well, you know, I've been known Trevor for a long time. I uh, We played shows with Mr. Bungle in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, and I got to know him. And then when Phantom started in the late 90s, um, he was in the band, and me and him became friends. And I've always said the best thing I got out of that band, my, my association with that band, was my uh, friendship with Trevor Dunn. Me and him are really good friends, and I can't see that ever changing, regardless of whether we play music or not. And he is—he's uh, played with us in the past, the Melvins. Where mm-hmm. We did um, a record called Melvin's Light that uh, uh, was him playing stand-up bass, and uh, and we did that, and we also did a whole tour, a bunch of shows with him in a wide variety of ways. He's played with us in a regular. Um, context a number of times and we did a tour with him melvin's light where we played every state plus dc in 51 days and did it which was a that was quite an accomplishment um uh the funny thing was is on that tour we had people asking us stuff like well how long does a tour like that take 51 days (laughs) (laughs) or if you're playing every state why are you playing in salt lake city i don't know (laughs) I always ask myself that, you know, um, just, it's, it's weird. It's with that kind of stuff. Was weird. So he did that with, with us. Um, we've recorded him in a wide variety of ways. We did a whole live album of the Houdini record that he played bass on. Uh, and so I was going to do this acoustic tour and about a year ago, cause I plan, I planned things out way ahead, uh, a little over a year ago. I was like, well, at some point next year, I'm going to put out this record. We should tour together let's get together you know him playing um maybe we could play a couple songs together uh let's get have you uh, uh come down come to la for a couple days i will uh we'll, we'll we'll record some stuff together maybe we can put out an ep that we could use as a for the tour and which that just came out um and um then when he was there i go well why don't you lay down some bass on some of these songs already and so, like I said, this is about a year ago. Uh, and so he started recording on songs that I'd already had finished. And it just sounded, I would go, oh, wow, that, that was really great. Let's let's do another one. <laughs> so then he ended up playing on a large part of the record. And I couldn't be happier about it. It, can't, it really pushed it to another level I hadn't thought of. It changed it a lot from the way my first record sounded. 
he's a fantastic player and pretty much the only um direction i gave him was that i i i'd like you to switch between using the bow and use and, and using your fingers to play the bass and maybe you know doing that a little on a little of both on some of the songs and, and i want you to really overplay I really want you to overdo it because we don't have drums or anything else on this thing. So the more you play and the more you put into this, I think the better it's going to be. And that was the best thing I could have done is just turn him loose and let him do what he wanted. And in a couple of days, we had the whole thing, all, all the stuff that he played undone, plus more. We had enough for um, the EP and then we had enough for... Uh, him playing on the vast majority of the record, which since we didn't write a bunch of stuff together was the reason it's a King Buzzo record with Trevor Dunn. You know, if we'd have written it all together, then it would be my him record or my, my both of us. Right. Um, but since I'd already had the lion's share of the stuff recorded, uh, it was uh, no reason. It seemed weird. So, so what was going to just be a little EP turned into him playing on the vast majority of my album, which I could not be happier about. I mean, Trevor is, He's one of my dearest friends. I think he's a super talented guy. I think he's a great bass player, he's a great stand-up bass player. And we were really, really, really looking forward to doing this U.S. tour together where we played, uh, he would do solo stuff, and we would play together, and maybe I would play some stuff on my own too. But I, couldn't, I just was so excited about it. And I worked so hard on putting that whole thing together and figuring out how we were going to do it and all the logistics of it all and then to have something like this happen where you're not even sure what's going to, it's just a bummer. I mean, the whole thing is just a bummer. I, I, I don't do well when my plans fall apart. Uh, especially considering how far out I do stuff. Yeah. I mean, you said a year for this, right? More than a year. I told my bandmates in January of 2019 that I was going to do this in 2020, you know? So it was no big surprise. That's, I mean, that's, that's typical of us. Right now we're planning, since this whole thing's collapsed, how it's all going to work for us in 2021. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no choice. I mean, uh, the idea of trying to put something together in the fall is ridiculous. So I can see myself sitting here and not playing any shows for over a year, probably, if you want to be realistic about it. I mean, there's clubs in New York right now that from August through the end of November, every single night has somebody playing. Yeah. Why would you want to go up against that? Making sense if these places even left open. So I can't see, you know, trying to salvage a tour in the fall, but everybody's freaking out. You got managers and all these big bands are all freaking out because they've already probably spent a lot of the money they thought they were going to be making right now. So I'm sure they're shitting bricks. Probably, I would guess. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people are pivoting to these online streaming things where you can tip them to make up lost cash. Because, I mean, it's not a terrible idea. Have you considered that in the meantime? Yeah, we have. we got to think of a good angle on it. Uh, um, we'll see how it goes for everybody else. Maybe try it. Um, uh, we're not all exactly sure how happy we would be to... Uh, everybody get in the same room and see how it goes and the studio and 
you know, we're trying to just let the dust clear here with the uh, infectious nature of this whole thing at the moment. Of course. <laughs> you know? Uh, um, so I'm in no hurry to do that. You know? And yeah. so what they, what bands have been doing is they've been doing that, and then you can tip on money if you'd like. Yeah, some people are going on Twitch and doing that, and other people are just going on, like, a Facebook Live, and then they give you a charity they encourage you to donate to. So there's other options there, too, rather than just your own you pockets. Do- not just to the band. Yeah, like I think it's Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie like invites you to go to a charity website that he uh, puts out there when he puts on his live streams. But like I know Devin Townsend has a Twitch where you can just donate him money and it goes to his road crew that for their tans- their canceled tour. Right. So there's a bunch of ways you can go about it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, real- yeah. Go yeah, ahead. I'm not sure. Exactly. I'm not sure. I mean, all that stuff makes sense. I'd like to think of a good angle on it. Yeah. I mean, you've got a, a ton of material, and you've got a, a your own solo thing coming out. I can imagine you just going album by album on your own would be kind of cool. Yeah, we could do that. I could do that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the only other problem at the moment is I'm I just right before all this stuff went down, I had surgery, so I'm still kind of recovering from that. But I'll I'll be through that soon. So good. All good. Uh, ready to play. Yeah. Uh, some of the melvin's cover of sabbath bloody sabbath from the 2018 sabbath ep i'll have more buzz in a moment but first this is my first band every musician has to start somewhere and in this episode nick DeSalvo from elder discusses his heavy origins uh my first band was called the stealing popes and it was kind of uh like humorous very primitive three chord punk rock okay why why the stealing popes got me i don't remember <laughs> you know i was pretty young like 13 years old or something i oh, think okay. it was a be probably about like uh you know churches stealing from people or uh you know the just the idea of a, a pope ste- i have no idea you know what i was thinking back then <laughs> but, you know, the big concerns of an angry 13 year old <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Nick and the rest of Elder will be releasing their album Omens on April 24th. You can pre-order a copy over at beholdtheelder.bandcamp.com, and then keep up with the band at facebook.com slash elderofficial.
Now before I wrap my chat with King Buzzo, here is some of the EP he released with Trevor Dunn, which served as an appetizer for his album The Gift of Sacrifice. From the Six Pack EP, here is some of Six Pack. Uh, rumor on the street is that you are working on a memoir. How far in that process are you? I've been working on that for a long time. I got a lot, a lot done. Um, once again, I'm trying to figure out exactly what the angle is going to be on that. I want to write it all myself. I don't want to do interviews with some stooge and then have him ghostwrite the whole thing. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's a learning process as I go along. It's a lot of rewriting and I'm okay with that. I'm friends with a lot of people who are writers, you know. Show it to them. I mean, I don't have to reinvent the wheel in order to make it interesting. So that's kind of nice. And once I get going, I have the capacity, I don't know why, of remembering crazy stuff in graphic detail. So it's uh, from a long time ago. Once I start thinking, then uh, uh, that's been good. Once I start writing it all down, it just comes back. So that's been good. But uh, um, And then I can show it to Dale. And go, is this true? Did you remember it like this? <laughs> and he'll be like, yeah, that's right. Or, or, no, I think it was more like this. But here's the funny thing. Um, with me and him, and also I'm really good friends with Mike Dillard, the original drummer for the Melvins. And me and him have remained friends since we were in high school. And, uh, I talked to him probably once, once or twice, sometimes once or twice a week, always, and, and you know, the best of times. And, uh, um, the thing that happens, this is very strange. We have so much history together, me and him and Dale, uh, that we can remember stuff that happened, but we can't remember who did it. Or we can remember things that were said, but was it me that said that or was it you that said You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it'll be like, I know we did that, but I can't remember if I did it or if you did it. You know, there's all kinds of stuff like that will happen. I'll remember it in graphic detail, but I don't, some of that stuff will be just lost. So there may be a few things along those lines that aren't exactly right, but the gist of it's a hundred percent true, you know? Cool. And uh, why now to share these stories or why well, soon, I guess. I always thought it was silly for people that weren't over 50 to write a memoir. Oh. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, you're, you're right. I remember Marilyn Manson, I think wrote a memoir when he was 30. <laughs> it's like, Okay, you know, what exactly have you done at this? You know, uh, it, it, that all seems weird to me. Um, and so, uh, uh, I, I turned 50, I turned actually, I turned 56 yesterday, so I, I saw that happy belated, yeah. And so, once I uh, uh turned 50, then I, then I started thinking along those lines. So, I got a lot, a lot of a lot of angles on that that I'm working on. There's a couple things that I'm trying to pick out. I think everybody has certain things in their life that have happened that are turning points. And like, if you hadn't have done this then you, you know, like I, you said, you were married. Yes. You hadn't have done this. You, if you hadn't have done this, these certain things, you would never have met, you know, whatever they may be. Um, things that are massive life changing things I think are, are important to try to figure out, at least for me. 
what was the important things and what was I thinking when it happened? You know, why did I do what I was doing? Was I right or wrong about it? You know, I think that kind of stuff's interesting. Not just like, then we played this tour and then we did this. I want it to be a little more personal than that. Yeah. And the thing about it is with me, I've certainly found this with interviews. Um, because we haven't gotten massively famous or made millions and millions of dollars or sold a, a huge amount of records and are headlining stadiums, since that never happened, people have a tendency to think what you're saying, if it's if it's less than you know congratulatory of someone else, what you're saying is all based around you being jealous of them, you know, which nothing could be further than the truth. I'm I'm like could not be more grateful for everything that I've gotten. I, I mean, it's far more than I ever thought I would ever get. And I've never forgotten that, you know? So, uh, uh, but I think that's weird. You'll, you'll go, does it ever bother you that people like Kurt Cobain got, got way more famous than you? I said, Kurt Cobain is dead. <laughs> it's like, you think I'm jealous of a dead guy? What kind of a person do you think I am? You know, this is this is a horrible story. There's nothing good about this. There's nothing to, for me to feel that I wish I had a part of that. That's just the worst thing that could possibly have ever happened. It, it's just so twisted and weird to me. So um, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about people thinking that sort of thing. But and then, and then there's another part of me that just thinks, fuck them. I don't care what they think. You know, mm-hmm. this, it's just, this is the truth. They don't like it. It's not really my my business. It's the same when we make records. It's like I do a record, I master it. Um, you listen to it for a few months. Like I mastered this new album of mine, um, Gift of Sacrifice. I mastered that in the middle of December. And so I've been living with it since then. It'll come out in May. And by the time it comes out, I will have moved on. And, and then it goes out in the public. And then it's really like what people think of it isn't your business anymore. You know, you know what I mean? It's like it goes out and has a life of its own. And uh, um, where that ends up isn't really uh, um, have anything to do with you. Right. So you kind of just let it go. Move on to the next thing. By the time that record comes out, now, now is about the only time, this period of time between mastering and release is usually about the only time I can enjoy those records. And I listen to them and then I'm happy with it and then I'm done with it. And every, then everybody hears it, you know? <laughs> it's pretty weird. Uh, do you have another interview after mine? Yes. Okay, should I, I should probably then wrap this then, yes? Uh, let me see. What, I think I think we have a few minutes. Whatever you want. What, it's up to you. Well, I just mm-hmm. One last question for you, because um, we're all kind of in this like weird limbo in our lives. What can fans do for you right now to kind of help you out with, of course, the pre-order the new album, uh, but anything else for you guys? Uh I don't know. You know, we're gonna have a bunch of uh, special order, um, like uh, um, uh, bundles that you can buy. But, but our bundles, what we notice with people when they have websites and they're selling bundles of stuff, it's all crap they can't get rid of. Whereas we try to make our bundles something really collectible and special. Mm-hmm. So like it's like it's not just a pile of crap that we couldn't sell before, you know. And so I think people. Hopefully they'll be interested in that. But, you know, I also understand that everybody's going through financial trouble right now. And uh, it's difficult for me to 
sit here and expect people to do something when they've already given me so much. Not that I'm independently wealthy or anything, but um, I think I look at them as more than just a paycheck. Right. I, I think that they've given me the ability to do what I'm doing, and I appreciate that more than anything. Um, and so um, I'll get back to work at some point. I'll make it through until then. And if people want to buy these special things, I think they should. It's kind of like an entry level into buying art, sort of. Um, and But I understand if they have uh, other priorities that need to be met, it makes sense to me. So it's, it's sort of like when I read this thing with John Waters, but John Waters is obviously a lot more wealthy than I am. But he said, you know, I can't do a Kickstarter thing. I own two houses. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when Zach Braff did one for one of his movies. Yeah. It's like, why don't you take some, take some of your own coinage, you know, and do this thing. I mean, uh, um, but, you know, if people want to buy the special stuff that we're doing, that'd be good. I guess we could do a, a online concert and if people wanted to donate some amount of money. They could. I mean, I don't have any charities or anything, but uh, um, or maybe we could figure something out where if you know if you buy a copy of this EP, then you automatically get a way to watch whatever we're doing. You know, yeah, something like that. I don't know. I have to think of a decent angle on it that seems cool, um, and take it from there. You know, I think people are. We have a bunch of we have a bunch of we've recorded a ton of podcasts with people that we've never used. So we might we might do something like that soon. Um, a wide variety of things with lots and lots of different people that would, might be interesting. And I think what might be cool for people is that uh, it was all recorded before the coronavirus thing. So there's no boring talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> not like this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's hard not to talk about this. Right. You know? So it might be nice for people to not have to listen to one that's, that's, that's along those lines. But, you know, I mean, it's affecting all of us so much right now that it makes sense that, that people would do it. Yeah. I certainly want to talk about it now, you know, but I'm also, you know, watching all kinds of stuff online, you know, so it doesn't have to be coronavirus oriented. So it's all, it's all good. All right, man. Well, thank you for talking with me today. Um, you know, enjoy hey. the rest of your day and I uh, hope to see you out on the road soon. Uh, we'll be back to work soon. And thank you for the interest. Uh, of course. Yes. Okay. Bye-bye. Later, man. Gift of Sacrifice by King Buzzo with Trevor Dunn will be released on May 15th via Ipecac Records. You can pre-order a copy now over at kingbuzzo.bandcamp.com. Also, I highly recommend following Buzz on Instagram at RealKingBuzzo. Then keep up with Melvins at themelvins.net. Now to conclude this episode, I am going to recommend the Baton Rouge, Louisiana Sludge Trio Worms. Worms, spelled with two O's, hence why I'm saying it like that, formed in 2017 and have been pretty consistent in releasing new material since then. They released an EP, a split with a hanging, and an album called Slake. Then, in January, they released their second album called Twitching as Prey via Sludge Lord Records. From that album, here is Silence and the Saints in its entirety.
you can order a copy of Twitching as Prey by Worms and the rest of the catalog of the band over at Worms. Again, that's W-O-O-R-M-S dot bandcamp.com. Then follow them on Facebook at the link in the bio. That will do it for this episode. If you want to keep up with the show, head to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com, facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal, on Twitter at underscore farbeyondmetal, Instagram farbeyondmetalpod, and of course the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Meter Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.